0: Up next, Rob Smith is Problematic, part of the Gingrich 360 Network. The left has marked the one-year anniversary of George Floyd's death with what else? Violence. As a shootout happened at George Floyd Square in Minneapolis, and Portland saw yet another night of riots. One year later, has anything changed for the better? No. In fact, it just keeps getting worse. This is Rob Smith is Problematic. you have been living under a rock or haven't been watching any kind of mainstream media for the past week, you would realize that this week marked the one-year anniversary of George Floyd's death. Uh, I, I, To me, it seems like decades, but no, it has only been a year since George Floyd died. And so let's kind of break down, you know, exactly what happened. We know that the Police officer that was, you know, held liable and responsible for his death by a jury. It was was found guilty. Derek Chauvin' knee was on George Floyd's neck for nine minutes. The entire world saw it on video. The entire world was shocked and horrified by this. It was only conservatives that dared to ask the question, were there any other extenuating circumstances that would have led to George Floyd's death? Like perhaps the fentanyl and meth and other things that were in the system at the time. He had a history of heart problems. That is neither here nor there. George Floyd died. Derek Chauvin was found guilty. Derek Chauvin went to prison. There would have been riots. Minneapolis would have burned all over again if this man was somehow acquitted. So this is where we are one year later. And before I get into exactly where we are as a society right now, I just want to talk about, there is this sort of idiotic martyring of George Floyd that is going on um, in the mainstream media, that's going on on the left, that's going on with a lot of actually most black liberals and, and most white liberals who are literally too afraid to say anything else. So there's this monitoring, there's this idea that George Floyd is a great civil rights hero. There's this idea that his name needs to be spoken of in the same vein as uh, I don't know uh, Martin Luther King or, or Malcolm X or Booker T. Washington or anything like that. Um, this is idiotic. Uh, it, it just makes zero sense. And I did <laughs> I did a um, I sent out a tweet earlier this week, and this is one of those tweets. I, I'm generally pretty careful about what I say on Twitter, and this is one of those tweets that I knew was going to get me in trouble, but I'm going to tell you exactly what I said about all this and what I said about this this idiotic martyring of George Floyd. I said, George Floyd is not a hero or a martyr. The fact that we're now marking the anniversary of his death as if he was some great civil rights crusader and icon makes Black Americans look deeply unserious and stupid, yes, stupid. So I tweeted that out because this is, is what I think. This is what I honestly believe. Turning this man into a martyr um, it is wrong. It's stupid. It, Like I said, it makes all of America, by the way, not just Black America, look unserious and stupid because you have to realize that this is somebody that had a rap sheet a mile long. This is somebody that had a very checkered criminal history. This is somebody as Candace Owens started trending um, when this first started because she was the only one that was bold enough to say it. This is a man that once held a gun to a pregnant woman's stomach during a, a home invasion. Okay, so this is, is who we were talking about here and this is not to say, and and there's a straw man that the left does when anybody criticizes the man that George Floyd was or when anybody says that you know, this is not somebody that needs to be martyred. This is not a hero. This is certainly uh, not somebody that deserves to be taught in school. But you know, our our leftist uh, indoctrination center public schools are going to be uh, they're going to be teaching him on Black History Month. I almost guarantee it. Uh, but Candace started trending because she said this. When everything was still raw, she said this probably about a a couple of weeks afterwards, and and she started trending and getting even more death threats and all of that stuff because she basically said that this man is not a martyr. This man is not somebody to be martyred. And the question that always comes to me when you see you know the family of George Floyd is at the White House and they're talking about you know having his name on this Justice and Policing Act, which is completely ridiculous, and and there are even. You know some conservatives and Republicans that are on board with this. I'm on board with reform, but putting his name in a bill is it's, it's completely ridiculous. That is letting the left completely control this. But the question that is always on my mind is this, was one man worth all of this? Okay. And by all of this, I mean, you have to go back to where we were as a country last year. This was a televised funeral, a golden casket. Uh, Al Sharpton, Jesse Jackson, all these Hollywood celebrities. I think Tiffany Haddish was at this funeral crying. It was just like, this is, is completely ridiculous. And so, is one man worth all of this? Was one man, especially this man, was he worth Minneapolis being burned down, Minneapolis being destroyed, all of these people um, whose livelihoods were being destroyed. Was one man worth all of this stuff? That's the question that I'm always asking, and I'm not even sure if I have an answer to it. My answer is no, but to the left and to the Democrats who use things like this to push their narrative of black victimhood, of glorifying and, and celebrating criminals, he is absolutely worth it. because he helps them push their agenda. You have to understand that he helps them push this this agenda of victimhood, of of all of this stuff that they need for Black votes, that they need for African Americans to really think that they are doing something in the midst of inflation, in the midst of um, high gas prices, in the midst of a border crisis, in the midst of all of these different things that are making the lives of Americans worse. Yes, Celebrating George Floyd and lionizing him and making him a civil rights hero and icon is absolutely worth it to the left because he helps them push their agenda. And there are a lot of people on the conservative side that are too. And the thing that irritates me, and I don't spend a lot of a lot of time, you know, infighting with conservative media whatever, but. A lot of things that irritate me is that we're so often as conservatives and, and, and Republican-leaning commentators and people that are in the public eye, they so often just go along with the leftist narrative about who George Floyd was. They go along with this idea um, that even Senator Scott is going, on, going along with this idea that any criminal justice reform has to have George Floyd's name in it, which is absurd it is absurd on its face okay so we keep on going along um with this leftist narrative they set the narrative the left says that you are not allowed to talk about george floyd's criminal activity you are not allowed to talk about the drugs that he had in his system the only thing that you are allowed to say is how horrifying the video of his death is and it is and it's completely horrifying But that is the only thing that you're allowed to say, even if you're a conservative. And this is how thoroughly the left owns this conversation. And this is what I I hate um, about the left, how the left owns this conversation, and about how some people in conservative media just really roll over for this. Okay, Um, I I really, really do hate it. But I want to tell you that I do believe in criminal justice reform. Um, I, I do believe that there are some issues with the criminal justice system that need to be addressed. If I did not believe in that, then I wouldn't have lobbied for the First Step Act on Capitol Hill. I wouldn't have applauded when it passed under the Trump administration. But this deification of George Floyd is ridiculous. This deification of George Floyd doesn't make any sense. And what this sends is a message. And I feel like I this is you know a, a common theme on this podcast, but I'm going to keep saying these things over and over and over again, because I, I realize sometimes while doing this podcast, there is such a dearth of this perspective just being shared in the mainstream media at all, or even being shared um, uh, in, in a conservative realm, right? So this is glorifying criminality, and this is what is happening. You know, every time we have one of these, these BLM cases, whether it's George Floyd, um, whether it was um, I, I believe that the guy's name was Dante Wright, and he was becoming a big thing, there is not one of these cases that doesn't have some sort of criminal rap sheet a mile long. What happens with the left is they completely deify these people. Now, these people are literally pushing federal legislation with George Floyd's name in it. And so you are glorifying criminals, you're glorifying criminal activity, and you're glorifying criminal behavior, and you're deifying this just because they so happen to die at the hands of a white police officer, and that pushes a narrative. And at the same time they're doing this, they're ignoring people like David Dorn, St. Louis security guard, black male, that was killed during the the riots in St. Louis, they're ignoring people like Sequoia Turner, the little eight-year-old girl who was killed in Atlanta in the wake of BLM protests and all that stuff. So they ignore those names and those voices and those lives in the service of people like George Floyd. And again, I have to reiterate that this man did not deserve to die and that that video is horrifying. But I'm making a point of the larger effort of the left to basically glorify and lionize Black criminality. And to say to African-Americans on the left, the people that who, whose votes they pander for over and over and over again, this is who your hero should be. This is the man whose name should be in federal legislation for criminal justice reform. This is the person whose um, death we should mark the one-year anniversary of all the time, like every single year. This is the person who deserves a golden casket in a funeral televised, Uh, national television, ABC, CBS, NBC, all of them. And it it just really does send, I think, such a fundamentally destructive message to African Americans about our worth, first of all, because if you have hardworking American, Black American citizens that died in the BLM protest, but that also die every single day in... Chicago and and stuff like that, and you're not saying anything about them. Those black lives do not matter, but the black lives that matter are the ones that you can use to push a leftist narrative. That I have a lot of issues with. Even outside of that, the question remains, one year after George Floyd's death, how are things in America? They are getting worse, and I'm going to tell you exactly why after the break. So I want to tell you guys about my experience in Minneapolis. I was on the ground in Minneapolis last summer in the wake of this stuff. Probably, I would say maybe uh, within ten days of the uh, BLM riots and protests. If you guys follow me enough, you know that uh, I raised about one hundred thirty thousand dollars that went to help rebuild the small businesses in Minneapolis, and that's why I was down there. And. When you go to Minneapolis, and, and I've said this to you guys before, constant listeners, thank you so much, because I, I kind of you know say these things, I have to say them to kind of underline them. When I went to Minneapolis, it was like seeing something out of a war zone. It was chaos. When you physically see, with your own two eyes yourself, the results of these protests and the bombed out buildings, the bombed out liquor store, the bombed out Target, the bombed out auto zone, an entire strip... That was supposed to be an like a, a rebuilt downtown area for the people in the neighborhood to go to and enjoy. That stuff is burned down. Okay, the Walgreens is burned down, and I I wonder, and maybe this is something that I'll, I'll pitch as a video if I if I feel like going to Minneapolis. I mean, it is really, I guys, it's awful. Um, but if I feel like going there and in, in, in really kind of like pitching something and shooting a video, like I would really like to see what that block looks like a year later, I bet that that block looks exactly the same. So I raised this money. I raised $130,000 for this. And I went down to George Floyd Square and George Floyd Square at that point... Was a memorial. It was a place for the community to come together. They were, uh, there were people that were giving out, uh, free groceries. As a matter of fact, I believe that I donated $10,000 to, uh, this church group on camera. Um, I did a segment for, uh, for Fox News when we had raised some of that money. Um, and I donated $10,000 to a church group on camera that was, you know, handing out food for the community. So a year ago, I would say that it was community building. It was a space for the community to get to and go together and to grieve and, and to help support and all of that other stuff. Because, mind you, the aftermath of this violence that happened was grocery stores were no more. Okay, but what happened and what has happened in Minneapolis over this past year is that George Floyd Square has no has been known. It has gotten a reputation for becoming more violent. It is gotten a reputation for becoming an area that is prone to violence, and on no less than the one-year anniversary of the George Floyd death, when national media was descending upon Minneapolis to report on the story, to, you know, to, to do the same stuff they always do. Because what you have to understand, and I'm going to digress here a little bit, we have to understand about our mainstream media is that they exist to do the bidding of the Democrats. So the Democrats have defined um, George Floyd and George Floyd's death as something that needs to be co- commemorated every year and our dutiful dutiful mainstream media will follow every single time. Every year you will see AP will go there, um, the New York Times, all these people will go there and they will talk about, well, where's criminal justice reform? Where are black people in the society? All of this other stuff. And so all of this press and all of this media was there. No less than one year to the day there was a literal actual shootout at george floyd square i want you to listen to this this was i believe an ap reporter that was doing a live shot and there was a shootout at george floyd square i want you to listen to this this bill of comprehensive police reform uh, to be uh, to... just got to be careful here with some gunshots excuse us, excuse us. It sounds like gunshots. I'll let you know what this is. These seem to be gunshots. Shit, where is that? We're okay, we're okay, we're
1: okay.
0: just gonna go. Let's go, let's go. That is a shootout at George Floyd Square. And, and I wanna, I really need you to understand. When we break down the aftermath of of these protests, the aftermath of everything that we saw happen all over the country last summer. These protests have destroyed Minneapolis. They have destroyed the city. This city, by the way, guys, I don't know if anybody realizes that Minneapolis is still more or less not locked down. When you go anywhere near um, downtown Minneapolis, where the hotels are and all that stuff, these places are still boarded up. Okay, today, as in May twenty eighth, twenty twenty one, these places are still boarded up. These protests have destroyed the city. And let me tell you something. Um, you know, uh, one guy at one of the companies that—that's uh, one of my clients that I work with. He's actually from Minneapolis. He's—he's he's leaving there, I believe that he's coming to Florida. We were talking, and he said. You know, it, it's so funny because Minneapolis never really had this reputation before. He was like, I raised my kids in Minneapolis. It's a beautiful place. Now you tell somebody that you're from Minneapolis and they're like, oh, man, there. And this is what happens to these cities. This is what is going to happen more or less to all of the cities that became flashpoints for all of these protests. I, In an earlier episode, I really broke down what it means for these cities to have billions of dollars in property damage, because this is not. Let me tell you guys something. What happened in Minneapolis? I'm telling you, that bombed out area that I saw. And if you go to my, my Twitter feed or just Google like Rob Smith Minneapolis, there's a video that I did and you will see it. Um, you will see all the stuff. This is from last year. What people don't realize is the long term economic impact this stuff has on these communities because not only is it billions of dollars in damage right now, this results in people like the the person that I work with fleeing these places. They either go deeper into the suburbs or they completely leave the state. That is a brain drain. That is a drain in finances. There are people that are business owners that are less likely to want to rebuild their businesses in these areas because they know something like this can happen again at any moment. There was a guy that went viral last year, I believe he was um he was a black uh, black immigrant. He had this sports bar that got completely destroyed by all of this stuff. It was heartbreaking. And I believe that man raised well over a million dollars. This, this GoFundMe went crazy. It went bananas. So, he raised well over 1 million dollars. And he's like, "You know, I want to rebuild this, you know, I want to I want to bring it back up and make it good." Now, honestly, I'm going to tell you something. That man would be a fool, an utter fool to take that 1.2 million dollars or whatever it was that he raised and and reinvest it back into Minneapolis, because what happened in Minneapolis can happen again. And this stuff reverberates for, for generations. Detroit, the Detroit riots were in what, the 60s? And Detroit is still a hellhole. And so we have to realize that this stuff reverberates in a lot of different ways, So the question is, what have these protests changed? Have they made anything better? No. (laughs) The stuff just keeps getting worse. And for Minneapolis, it will continue to get worse. That George Floyd square will continue to be dangerous as they keep talking about this defund the police rhetoric, right? Right. And so these cities that are the flashpoint for the most violent of these protests are now becoming more dangerous. And I'm gonna give you some statistics from Arizona Congresswoman Debbie Lesko. And this is a tweet that she had. And this is basically connecting all of this defund the police rhetoric, all of this BLM protest, all of this stuff, leading to skyrocketing crime in America. Um, this is a very real thing that is happening right now, and I wanna I wanna kind of read you some of these statistics. Murder rates are up. Okay, murder is up twenty two percent in New York City and Chicago, twenty seven percent in Los Angeles, thirty five percent in Washington, D.C. I guess uh, BLM Memorial Plaza didn't really help with that. Um, 56% in Minneapolis, which we have been talking a lot about, and 800% in Portland. That is, murder is up 800%. That is 800% in Portland. All right. So this is getting bad. And this is where this stuff coming from. And you know how you know how bad this crime is getting. Do you know how bad all of this defund the police and BLM and George Floyd, all of this stuff? This is how bad that it's gotten. Even CNN is saying that the left needs to address this. I want you to listen um, to a CNN analyst. I believe this, uh, John John Avalon, talking on CNN about the crime rate and how Democrats need to address it.
1: Violent crime increased in the nation's cities last year after decades of decline, and it's showing no signs of slowing. Major American cities saw a stunning 33% increase in murder last year. Now contrast that stat with the steep and then steady murder decline America saw between 1991 and 2014. The spike in homicides and assaults continued in the first quarter of this year. Not only that, The number of police officers who've been shot in the line of duty stand at 141 as of May 16th. And the 24 officer fatalities this year is the most year to date since 2018. So you'd be forgiven for asking, what the hell is going on here? Experts blame a perfect storm of circumstances, including economic anxieties around COVID, the prevalence of guns, the release of criminal defendants due to COVID concerns in jails, as well as the overall reallocation of police resources. Laura Cooper, the executive director of the Major Cities Chiefs Association also told me that police chiefs are seeing an increase in social media beef spilling out into street violence, all of which is sharp, spurring a rapid reassessment of the defund the police rhetoric and reality. Get this. Los Angeles recently changed course after cutting its police department by one hundred and fifty million dollars last July. Now it's mayors proposing increased funding after a 38 percent spike in murders last year in New York City which saw a 97% spike in shootings and a 45% rise in murder last year, one of the leading candidates to replace Mayor Bill de Blasio is a black ex-cop, Brooklyn Borough President Eric Adams, who's promising to be tough on crime while still reforming the police. Now, this doesn't mean that a police reform agenda is done. Far from it. In fact, a bipartisan police reform bill seems to be nearing completion in the Senate. But all of this highlights the importance of better policing, not necessarily less policing. President Biden has long called for an increased investment in police training, resisting calls to defund the police from the left wing of his party. And during the campaign, he took heat from the right and the left for his authorship of the 1994 crime bill signed by Bill Clinton. At the time, crime was the number one concern of Americans, but the controversial crime bill worked. Just look at its impact in hastening the decline of violent crime across the country over decades. Ironically, the current violent crime spike began under a president who promised... I will restore law and order to our country. Yeah, but now Joe Biden is president and Democrats control both houses of Congress. And you can bet that rising crime will be an issue in the 22 campaign.
0: Now that being CNN, they couldn't resist throwing in a dig at President Trump. And it's very interesting when people try to do that because (laughs) all of these cities are run by Democrats from top to bottom. But either way, what this is saying when CNN, of all people, is saying Democrats need to address violent crime, that is a problem, and they know it is going to be a problem, and they know it is going to be a problem leading in to 2022. So one year after George Floyd's death, things are getting worse. The streets are getting more violent. People are having shootouts literally at his memorial. The BLM hordes are on notice, and they are ready to tear up the streets if another BLM case happens. So no, things are not getting better in America. They are getting worse and they will not start getting better again. Crime will not start going down. These protests will not stop getting violent. All of this stuff is not going to be corrected until people start getting honest about what is going on. Honest about the violent crime in these cities. Honest about who's perpetrating the violent crime. And most of all, and this is a long-term fix, but honest, about personal responsibility and the choices that people make that lead them into being in a position to where they're going to have interactions with police officers. George Floyd did not deserve to die, but he is not a hero. He is not a martyr, and his death has not made America better. It has only opened up and exacerbated the wounds that the left loves to exploit for political power. And we're not going to get into a better place as a country until we start speaking openly and honestly and being real about exactly what's happening. And that goes whether you are a Democrat, a Republican, or anybody in between. Coming up, is the left going so crazy that they're going to just lose it all in 2022? Well, yes, it could be the case, and Candace Owens certainly thinks so. I want to talk about what she had to say about it after the break. So, you know, doing this and, and being a political commentator and basically with, you know, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, uh, news media, social issues, all of that stuff being my my life and my career and, and, and everything like that. I always ask myself the question, am I becoming a far right lunatic? <laughs> am I literally becoming a crazy person? Is the left really this crazy or am I just so open to seeing this stuff and am I just so tuned into this stuff that I think that they're just crazier than they really are but the question is they are absolutely going that crazy the left is absolutely going that crazy we see it every single day we see it when Demi Lovato comes out as non-binary whatever that means and she is lauded for it by Hollywood elites. We see it every single day when we see uh, pro-far-left LGBTQ indoctrination in public schools that seeks to teach um, third and fourth graders about 100 genders and all of the different pride flags and all of these different things that have absolutely zero to do with any kind of education. We see it every single day with the rise of anti-Semitism that is happening on the left. I saw Twitter videos where people were literally, this in New York City, Twitter videos where people were being beaten in the streets and being attacked and harassed literally just for being Jewish. Okay? So yes, the left is going completely nuts. They're going completely insane. And so like I said, we see it. Every single day, we see it in the indoctrination and in the the education system. We see it um, in this sort of critical race theory stuff. And you know, there's a guy that I that I want to introduce you to. His name is Christopher Rufo. Uh, he's a senior fellow at the Manhattan Institute, uh, and he is doing. Some, some really good investigative work about critical race theory and how it is, it is indoctrinated and it has made its way into the public school system. Um, I'm going to interview him here in a couple of weeks as soon as we lock down a date. He's doing some very, very important stuff. But I want you to listen to just him describing um, how this stuff is being presented in schools nowadays. And then we'll go into Candace's take on the entire situation a lot of documents that are floating around public schools that say things like, uh, timeliness showing up on time is a white supremacist value or a white value, white dominant value, things like rationality, things like the enlightenment, things like, uh, you know, uh, uh, objectivity.
1: And, uh, these are very strange things to be ascribed to a racial identity. My view is that these are actually should be ascribed to every individual human being, every individual human being, regardless of whatever racial category we impose on them.
0: So there's a lot of this stuff going on, and I really can't wait. I mean, I'm gonna do a full episode with him and to just really break down some of this stuff. And I really encourage you to follow this guy. He's on Twitter at real Chris Rufo. So it's a real Chris and the name is R-U-F-O. So real Chris Rufo. Um, Very, very, very interesting, uh, interesting fellow. And I'm looking forward to having him on podcast. But a lot of people don't realize the, the depths to which this stuff um, has sunk into the education system that we have right now. A lot of people don't realize this stuff. The idea that we are teaching third, fourth, fifth graders, black kids, by the way, that being on time is somehow a There's like being on time is a white thing, Race, uh, math is racist. So you're teaching kids, black kids at a very formative time in their lives and in their minds that if they can't perform, we're not pushing um, We're not pushing education. We're not pushing rigorous academic works. So we're not pushing the idea that if you're not right, you need to work harder and you need to figure it out because there's a right answer and there's a wrong answer. We're pushing the idea um, that math is racist. We're pushing the idea that if kids aren't performing, it's because uh, of their race somehow. That is a very dangerous message to send to Kids that are developing, thank God I never got that message in, in public school. Thank God, because I, I was in you know, grammar school before the woke era, and it's certainly uh, not anything that my mother or father ever pushed to me. This idea that you know, if, if I was underperforming, that it was somehow because I was black, and there's always some sort of get out of jail free card for underperforming or for being involved in criminal activity or, or for whatever because you're black it, it's ridiculous. Um, But this is what's going on here, And, and this is Candace on Laura Ingram just basically just throwing a blowtorch to all of this stuff.
2: The left right now is segregationist. We need to start saying that over and over again. They are the party of segregation. That is what they are calling for. They are obsessed with race. They want your children to know that they are either oppressed or they are privileged. And by the way, talk about people to appeal to. We live in a country that is largely biracial. Could you imagine what it is like for me who has a biracial child who is being told that your child is going to be literally taught in the school system that they are either half oppressed or half privileged? There's no space for these people. I believe that you are correct, Laura, when you say that this is where we hit, education. We need to stop the conversation. Yes, it's important, the lower tax argument, but it's not the argument that's hitting home when you talk about mm-hmm. what's happening inside the school systems. Everybody cares about their children. They understand what's going on. This pick your gender, the transgender that is going on, and most importantly and most potently, telling children that they need to see race everywhere. At the same time, you are not telling them to focus on hard academics. We're not teaching engineering and math anymore. We're teaching critical race theory. That is the most important element. And that is because what they want to do is to water down the education system to produce dumber kids, because dumber kids means you can almost guarantee that they're going to become servants to the government. They will end up on welfare because they have no practical skills.
1: Now, another data point, uh, Candace, ahead of 2022, Americans are increasingly turning on Black Lives Matter. Because the movement's favorability rating is down from 61% right after the Floyd uh, killing to just 48% today. Uh, I guess stoking a violent crime wave is not exactly the way, I guess, to win support, Candace.
2: That's exactly right. You know, Black Lives Matter is an organization that has led to more black death. They said that it was done in the name these riots and these protests in the name of George Floyd, who had a long criminal record. And what actually ended up happening was that black neighborhoods burned, black men and black women were killed during these riots, and black people were arrested. So it really just led to more devastation for black people. Some of us have the courage to call this out early on. People are now seeing what this means. Less policing doesn't mean that nothing's going to happen in the neighborhood. There's not going to be police. What it means is that the gangs are going to rise up and take the place of police officers. We've seen this story in America before. And I personally think that if if Republicans don't have the courage to call this stuff out, one of the biggest issues that we're facing right now is Republicans are scared to be called racist. Stop being fearful to be called racist when you are not racist and you are looking at the person that is actually a racist and is a segue segregationist. And that is the left, that is Democrat Party, and that is how Republicans win going forward because okay. people are seeing.
0: People are seeing. That's powerful. Because I believe that people are seeing. People are waking up. You know, We talk a lot about big tech censorship here, and, and I'm sure we'll talk a, a lot about it again. But do you ever understand And do you ever think about why it is so important for Facebook to control the conversation? Why it's so important for Twitter to uh, control the conversation about the, uh, the stuff on Hunter Biden's laptop? Why it's so important for YouTube to shut down? Do you understand that people are waking up to all of these things? People are seeing what is going on right in front of their two eyes, and they do not like it. And the only way... That we can have some sort of the only way that we can have some sort of semblance of taking back control, literally taking back the streets, taking back the conversation, is that you have to speak openly and honestly and you have to be real. People hate Candace because she is real. This is not like Candace is not far right. Candace is not white. It's nothing like that. She is being completely real and completely honest. And that is what we need more of. And we need more people that are bold enough to speak the truth and bold enough to speak truth. Because all of this stuff that's going on right now, people are tuning out of it. The parents every single day. Are in school board meetings, I mean, I do you know a lot of videos on my Facebook page. Please go there, uh, Rob Smith Online. I probably do about two, three videos a day just on what the news of the day is or what the issues are. And all of these videos parents standing up um, against critical race theory, people are standing up against big tech censorship, people are standing up against the left, people are standing up because they are seeing with their own two eyes exactly what is happening here. And in 2022, I do believe that the Democrats are in a lot of trouble. I do believe that in 2022, the Republicans will take back the House. And the only way that we're going to do that, and the only way that Republicans, conservatives, people on the right, or people that just have common sense are going to do this, is to stop letting the left control the conversation. Stop being afraid that they're going to call you racist. Black people. If you're in the media or not, if you know something that's real, just say it. Stop being afraid you're going to get canceled. Stop being afraid that people are going to call you self-hating or Uncle Tom or Coon or whatever. Because what this moment needs right now more than anything else, what it needs is people that are bold enough to speak the truth, the real truth that people know, that people are seeing with their own two eyes. And if you have more people that are bold enough to stand up and to speak this truth. And those people go to the polls and get everybody to literally vote red in 2022. The far left in this woke indoctrination, this critical race theory, this all of that stuff needs to be crushed. The only way it can be crushed is if people left, right, and center with common sense stop being afraid to speak truth. So speak it.